0: He's fed us, He's clothed us. We're here this morning in our right minds. All I can say is God's been good, amen. Amen. And when we're uh, down, when we're out, uh, when we're out of sorts, I'm glad that God's not like that. He's always there, He's ever-present, He's ever-helping, and He's always working in our life. Even when we're not even paying attention, God's at work in our lives, amen. Boy, that's a lot to be thankful for this morning, thinking about what he's done for us and how good that he is. If you got your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23 this morning is where we feel like the Lord would have us to go and to be in this portion of scripture to help you today. Deuteronomy chapter 23. And when you find your place, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. I don't feel like rushing the word of God this morning. I feel like we need to hear from God. We're going to be in two places in Deuteronomy, then we're going to go over to Ecclesiastes. But in Deuteronomy, the 23rd chapter, breaking in at the 21st verse. The Bible says, When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require of thee, and it will be a sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee, that which is gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform even as a free will offering according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God which thou hast promised with thy mouth let's go to ecclesiastes the 5th chapter this morning ecclesiastes the 5th chapter And we're going to look at the fourth verse. I'm giving you a Bible workout this morning. It says here in the fifth chapter, When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer, which means to delay, delay not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools, Pay that which thou hast vowed. Listen closely. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'd help us for a few moments. God, that you speak through us today. God, it seems that there is a hush type of spirit in this place today. So that means, Lord, that you're about to work, you're about to move. And God, I pray that you'll prepare the hearts and ears of those that are hearing today. God, that you'd help them with the word of God. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your presence and what I feel standing here in this sacred place. Now hide us, Lord, this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. Here we see in this chapter that there's clear instructions on making vows to God. And if you haven't marked these down, I would mark them and go home and read them later and ask God to help you understand what Deuteronomy and Ecclesiastes is saying about vows. When we make vows, we are to honor God with them. For it'd be better if we never made a vow to God than to make a vow and break it. Amen. We just crossed into a new year, and many people make New Year's resolution vows that they're going to do better. Uh, they'll vow that they're going to lose weight. they vow that they're going to be uh, on time for work. They vow they're going to be better to their companion or to their husband or wife and They're going to do better for their children. They make vow after vow after vow. But then you vow a vow to God and say, God, I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I vow, Lord, I'm going to do better and and, and be a better Christian here in 2023. I know I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better man of God. I want to be a better husband. So I found myself even vowing vows like that myself hoping that I will keep those vows and, and, and keep my word and try to do what I've said I'm going to do. But the scripture's teaching us here plainly that be careful what you vow, especially to God. When you tell God something, you better keep to your word because God is keeping a record of our vows we make to Him. It's important as people of God that we understand what vows mean. When we got married, we made vows. When we go through this life, we make them all the time. They get hire, We get hired on the job. We make vows to employers. I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna be the best employee you've ever hired. A lot of times an employer will look at you and say, why do we need to hire you? Well, if you'll take a chance on me, I'll do this and I'll do that. That's making a vow to your employer. A lot of times we'll come to church we'll get involved in church administrations and we'll vow vows i'll do this and i'll do that and i want to be this and i want to be that and we'll vow to god to do that work and then when things don't go just right we tend to start letting it down start backing up start resigning positions we're breaking our vows that we have vowed in our lives and it's important uh, that we keep the vows that we make to God. Can I hear from you this morning? Yes. Now, you can vow to me and break your vow, and I'll get over it. But I would be careful about the vows that I made to God. Amen. It's important that when we say, Lord, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, that we do just that. And we read here in the Scriptures how that the Lord has told us about making vows. And so today, I'm going to do something different that I've never done before. When God began to deal with me on this message, I've never preached this message, I've never been in this place of scripture where he's leading me today. So I need your prayers this morning. Will you pray for your pastor? And I need your help this morning. I tell you, standing behind this sacred desk is a battleground. I've walked into the battlefield this morning. And I'm telling you, I can feel the enemy on every side coming at me but I'm glad for the scripture that tells us greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. I'm glad I can stand before the armies and the enemies of this world, stand behind the word of God and tell you what thus saith the word of God. We need to know what God says. When we make vows, we need to keep our vows to God because he's keeping a record, amen. I'd like everybody to stand this morning. And I want you preachers to come up here for me just a minute. I'm going to ask a question here in a minute, and I want you, as the authority of God's men in this place today, you'll answer a question here just in a minute. But today, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in the sight of God and in the presence of this congregation to join our hearts together. Before the Lord to honor you, to love you, to worship and adore you. And to become of one mind, one body, one spirit, in the holy state of matrimony called a Christian life. So I ask today, who gives this congregation to serve and to worship our Lord and Savior? Thank you. You can be seated. As these men of God today have given you to the Lord today, you didn't realize you were coming to a ceremony this morning. You have come before the presence of God to vow a vow that you are here to honor Him, to love Him, and to worship Him. I don't know what you come for today. If you come to look at me, you've come for the wrong reason. If you've come to see your neighbor, you've come for the wrong reason. If you've come today because you bought a new set of clothes and you wanted to wear them to church, you've come for the wrong reason. If you've come for any other reason but to worship and adore Him, you've come for the wrong reason this morning. We have vowed a vow to come into his house, into the presence with thanksgiving, lifting up our hands and blessing his name is what the Bible says. We have vowed, Lord, if you'll save me, I'll live all my life for you. I'll lift praises to you. I'll tell people about you. You saved me from hell. It's the least that I can do. I'll lift my hands. I'll say amen. I'll back the preacher. I'll back the singing. I'll do whatever It takes God, I vow a vow to be the best soldier I can be for you. I believe that's what the Lord would be pleased with this morning. In Mark 10 6 through 9, he says, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That ain't popular today. You need to know that. God made male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, is what the Bible says. And they twain, which means two, shall become one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, Amen. let no man put asunder, is what the Bible says. We live in a time where divorce rate is is higher than it's ever been in the history of the world. Divorce rate is over 50% amongst pastors and and leaders of the church at this time of, of creation, and God is not for divorce. I'm not for divorce, but sometimes divorce has to happen. God divorced Israel because of their sin. And if you women are in an adulterous, uh, an abusive uh, situation with a sorry, good-for-nothing man and, and he's cheated on you, you've got the right by God's word to put him away is what the Bible says and give him a bill of divorcement. But I'm telling you what we need to do. We need to keep our vows to God. We don't need to be divorced from God. We need to love God. We need to honor Him. He needs to know that we're for Him. He needs to know that we love Him. And He needs to know that we're His people. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, He loves us. In Galatians 2.20, He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we live this morning. We live through Christ. And I don't want you to get hung up on divorce this morning. But I want to tell you something. We are married to God. When we come to an old-fashioned altar, we bow our knees before God and we ask God to forgive us. We become his bride. We become his beautiful, uh, adorned bride that one day after a while, God's going to look over at his son and say, go get your bride. And when you became born again, you married the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you know that or not. We are in a marital relationship, spiritually speaking, as people of God. And God wants to bless our lives. But we can't be blessed when all we do is break one vow after the other, after the other, after the other. This morning, can you remember the vows that you made to your companion? Can you remember that? The preacher looked right at you and said, Will you love her, honor her, adore her in sickness and in health? Till death do you part. You were so in love. You were so high in love. It didn't make no difference. You said, I do. And he asked her the same thing. She's so in love and excited about life. She said, I do. And they too became one flesh before God. You and I, when we stood before this altar one day and kneeled by it and we heard the preacher preaching and we could hear uh, God saying, "Uh, will you love him? Will you adore him? Will you forsake all others for him? Cleave only to him as long as you live. Yes, I will. But somewhere along the way, life got hectic. Sin got rapid and the cares of this life begin to draw us away of our own lust of the flesh and pride of life. He don't look as good as he used to. She's not as pretty as she used to be. She's not got that hourglass figure no more. She looks more like a pear now than she does an hourglass. She's not as beautiful as she used to be. She don't curl her hair no more. She wears that straight hair. Sometimes she pulls it back and takes her teeth out. (laughs) Man, she just ain't as pretty as she always was. When I look at her now, the love is just not there no more. I wonder what happened. You forgot to say, good morning, dear. I love you. I appreciate you so much. You know, the Lord is the same way. I woke up this morning, every joint in my body hurting, and when I opened my eyes, I said, "'Morning, Lord, I love you. Thank you for giving me another day.'" And I got out and put my legs on the floor, my feet, and stood up, and I said, "'Thank you, Lord, for the strength of my legs.'" That was this morning. He's just as lovely He's just as beautiful, He's never changed, He's the same today as He has been. And He said, I'll never change. I'll never leave. I'll be with you always, even down to the end. I've changed. I don't look the same. I don't act the same. I ain't as in love like I was at the first time. And I find myself doing that sometimes. But He loves me unconditional. He, it doesn't matter what shape I get in. He still loves me. He still works. he still complimenting me. He's still hugging me telling me how good I'm doing. But yet we don't do that. Somewhere being saved has lost its luster. I just don't feel like I used to feel. Boy, when I first got saved, I wanted to tell the world. I just got saved. Come meet this man that I've met. He's changed my life. Oh, you ought to come to church. It's wonderful. But after a while dealing with people, dealing with circumstances, dealing with situations, the luster of all the beauty starts getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until I just want to go over and sit down because I've wore myself out with the cares of life. Sin has taken my joy I began to remember I made a vow one time to God that I'd love Him unconditionally. How did I get where I'm at? It's because the devil was going, Look over here. And I got to look, Come over here. And I went over there and began to look to see what the devil had. I'm saved. Well, that does look good. You know, them, them people at the church are a little fanatical. I, I don't have to be like I want to be like this. I know I made a vow, but that sure does look good to me. There is pleasure in sin this morning. If you don't believe there's pleasure in sin, you are fooling yourself. There's pleasure in the first drug you take. There's pleasure in the first drink you take. There's pleasure in the first premarital sex you have. There's pleasure in the adultery that you get in. The devil say, come try, come taste, come be a part. And the Holy Spirit said, don't forget, you made a vow. I know, I know, it'll be okay, I want to go do this. And we are drawn away of our own lust and pride of life. I'm talking about vows this morning that we vow to God. We look around and and we, we say, Lord, why me? Why is this happening to me? Well, let's look at our life, where we're at. We've walked away from the greatest thing that we've ever known. Somehow he's lost the luster that he had from the beginning. He hasn't changed. Brother Tony, we've changed. When you met the Lord, how long have you been saved? Nine years old. That's been a hundred years, ain't it? That's a long time, brother. And he's never changed, has he? He's just got sweeter, ain't he? (laughs) Sweeter all the time? Me and you ain't. We haven't. We failed the Lord. But he says, I love you unconditionally. Why? Because he said, I made a vow. He said that if thou shalt confess, that's his vow, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. He said, I vow, vow, that I'm going to save you. That's a promise. I'm going to save you. He's kept his promise. He's kept his vow. What happened to us? We as people of God get drawn away because the world is enticing. Now I'm telling you this morning, the Lord wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy things, but I don't have to be of the world to be in the world. Does that make sense? I can be in the world, but I don't have to be of the world. I may have to work with a bunch of drunks, a bunch of dope heads or whatever, but I don't have to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you this morning, we can come out from among that because the Lord has made a vow for us. So there's three reasons why I want to talk about this morning about vows real quickly. Three reasons we vow vows. And what they'll do for us in our life. The first reason we make a vow is because they'll stand the test of time. Vows will stand the test of time. If you'll live by your vow, it'll never fail you. But where we fall is when we don't live by the vows we make. How do you know that? In Isaiah 40 verse 8, the Bible says that the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That's a vow that his word will never fail. Oh, I didn't realize that. If you'll read the book, if you'll read the... (laughs) You know what man's problem is? You'll buy something and it'll have instructions in it, and the first thing a man will do is throw the instructions away (laughs) and start putting it together, and it won't come together. There's pieces left over, and he's like, I don't know why this thing. Well, you didn't read the instructions. Women will take the instructions and read them almost completely through before they do one thing, and man is over going, come on, let's get this thing together. She's more structured on following instructions than we are to say, ouch, ouch, men, because it's the truth. A lot of times when we fail in lie, it's because we've not followed the word of God. I'm telling you this morning, that's what's going on in our lives. Proverbs 12, 7, the Bible says, the wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of righteousness shall be stand. The house of righteousness. If we keep to our vow, then our houses will be blessed. Talking about this house. I ain't talking about your home sitting on a hill down. I'm talking about this house. If we keep our vows, this house will be blessed. Psalms one nineteen verse two says, Blessed are they that keep his testaments, and that seek him with their Whole, not half, but their whole heart. Our biggest problem is, and when God wants to work in our lives, we're too busy <coughs> playing around, playing with things we shouldn't be playing with. The devil has a toy box full of toys. You believe that this morning? He does. And he will distract you if you'll listen to him. Why? Because there's one laying right here now. (laughs) And boys didn't know that I was watching them. (laughs) But the devil will get you distracted. Say, boy, don't that look good? You'll forget all about your vows because you're all distracted with this. I spend day after day, week after week talking with people, counseling with people, that their lives are falling apart. You know how it happens? It's because they're playing with the devil. They're playing with their toys. Now, it pleases the Lord. The Bible says to give his children good gifts. And he wants us to be blessed. And we can go out and buy fancy homes and fine vehicles and have big bank accounts, big boats and jet skis and have a time of our lives. And that's all good and fine. But if we don't put the Lord first and keep our vow, all we're doing is playing with the devil. That's all we're doing. And we've got to stop doing that. If we want to be blessed of God, we've got to stay focused on his word and what he wants for our lives. I'm telling you this morning, as I began to study this message and God began to deal with me, he talked about vows. I even thought about the vows I made to my wife as I stood there before the preacher. And he asked me all them questions. I didn't understand at that time what they were all about. I knew I loved her. I knew I loved him most of all. And I knew enough about scriptures that if I love him with all of my heart, he'd teach me how to love her. He'd teach me Where he talked about husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church, and give Himself for it. I found out what that was all about. You know what that has served me? It served me 35 years of marriage. That's what it served me. We tell people now, and they look at us and go, that's a big accomplishment. Yes, I feel real good about it that God has blessed me to be with the same woman for 35 years. That's a great accomplishment. But you may be sitting here this morning and say, I don't have that testimony. You don't know what I've been through. I may not, but God does. And he knows how you've overcome. And he's blessed your life for overcoming. And because you were in a bad situation and got out of that, God said, hey, it ain't over yet. I'm about to restore your life. When you seek me first, several of you sitting here are living that life. You come from a bad situation. God worked with your life. You give it all to him and look what he's done. That's called keeping vows to God. I'll bless them that seek me. He says that in his word. It's awful quiet in here this morning. We need to honor our vows that we make to God. Number two, the thing that helps us when we make vows, it gives us a sense of commitment. Vows do. You feel proud. I'll never forget how I felt the first week that I walked around with this ring on my finger. I'd walk around there now and again I'd look down at it. it. Made me stick my chest out a little bit. I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't know this morning. I've used this in a wedding, but if you notice a ring, there's no beginning and there's no end to it. That's just like God's love. There's no beginning and there's no end. He made a vow to love you unconditionally. We ought to love him like this ring. No beginning, no end. We ought to say, Lord, I'll love you unconditionally, no matter what. And be proud that we can wear a ring and honor God. I wear my spiritual rings that you don't even see. And it makes me stick my chest out and go, yep, I'm a Christian. I'm glad I am too. You all see what's going on in Kentucky this week? Everybody's talking about it. I know you've heard about it. Boy, they are all kinds of naysayers and all this, but if people are going to get together and praise God, I say hallelujah. Let it happen. Amen. I've been talking to pastors across these states and and around uh, different places. Revivals breaking out everywhere. People being saved everywhere. People rededicating. Churches getting on fire. We felt a little breeze of it here at the church. I'm telling you, God's getting his people ready to move them out of here. I'm telling you, we're at the last few moments of time. So I feel a sense of commitment with my vow. I love it. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen, he says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What's that mean? I ain't going to do what I used to do. And when I do, I'm glad he, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, has got a big old rod of correction and he pulls out. And he knows exactly how to stripe me from my neck to my ankles and straighten me out. I don't have to come to you and say, Did I do wrong on that? the Holy Spirit will immediately tell you and you'll be the first to know it. Anybody having a problem with that? Because I'm telling you, if you're saved this morning, you're the first to know that it's not right. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done or whatever you ain't doing that you're thinking about doing, the Holy Spirit gives you that sense of commitment. Say, remember, you made a vow to honor God. And that's what we're supposed to do is honor Him. That sense of commitment comes through 1 Corinthians 12, 12, where he says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members that are of one body, being many, he goes on to say, are one body, so also is Christ. We're all one body. We're all one spirit before the Lord. This may be Vicar's Chapel, But there's another church down the road that are born again believers, that's our body. There's another church this way, that's our body. We're all one body. You never know it amongst God's people because there's so much arguing and fussing over everything. But it's not His will that we be like that. He said it pleased the Lord for brethren to dwell together in unity. And we'll keep our vows to God we'll have a sense of commitment and we'll have unity, amen? We will this morning. That sense of commitment, you know what it gives you? It gives you that assurance of your salvation that you're saved. Everybody take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10. You ain't marked this in your Bible, you need to mark this scripture in your Bible. I'm talking about having a sense of commitment that the vow that you've made to God. John chapter 10. We're going to read verse 27, 28, and 29. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck, that means snatch, take, remove them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man, that's talking about you as well, is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Right there's the assurance of your salvation. There's the assurance that the devil cannot do nothing with you more than what you allow him to do. He can't touch your salvation. I said he can't touch your salvation. Amen. I think some of you not listening. He cannot touch your salvation. Amen. You're forever saved in God when you come and give your heart to Him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He gives you that sense of commitment, that surety in your life that you are going to heaven when you die. Amen. Now we live as though that's not so. We live as though, well, maybe... Well, I hope so, I think so, I hope it all weighs out. I'm telling you that right there settles it all. If you look in your Bible right now, that's written in red. You know what that means? It came straight from Jesus' mouth. My sheep know my voice. Brother Matt brought uh, two sheep this morning. I don't know where they're at. They're here somewhere in this building. But I promise you that if we turned them loose, they'd probably run straight to him because they know who the shepherd is, the one that's taking care of them, and they'll follow the one they know and the one they hear, they'll follow that one. I'm glad we need to uh, be the kind of sheep that makes a vow that when we hear the Lord, we follow what he wants in our life. When he says testify, we can say, hey, I'm glad I'm saved. Praise the Lord but we're so backwards. I don't know where we've got in this life that we're not supposed to testify, we're not supposed to lift our hands, we're not supposed to do anything. We're supposed to come to church, sit in our pews and watch what happens. Sometimes I feel like we come in here and we fold our arms and we say, now bless me if you can. (laughs) Amen? Preacher's up preaching his heart out, and we're sitting there like, Well, you better hurry. I'm about to get out of here. Bless me if you can. We're, we're forgetting the vows that we made to God. When he said, I will enter into his gates, he's talking about his house, with thanksgiving, yes. into his house with praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, some of you, I ain't never heard you testify. Hey, some of you ain't never seen a, nothing out of you. You ain't never raised your hand. You ain't never, when, when the spirit starts moving, you look like, like somebody shot you. are like, <laughs> what's going on? It's okay. Everybody worships different. I'm working on a message right now that I hope I get to preach for too long. I don't even know what God's going to title it yet. I thought about bringing the stenching cord and plug it into the plug in, take the ends off, it and say, Who wants to come grab these ends? I promise then I'll get a reaction out of you. Me and Brother Earl was out there moving the sign a couple weeks ago. Forgot to turn the thing off. I grabbed a hold of the box, grabbed a hold of the bulb, and I thought my teeth came loose. It lit me up. I said, I think we need to turn it off. You know the Lord's the same way? When you have a sense of commitment, when God starts moving, boy, you, wanna, you can feel that thing moving. And it makes you want to say something. It makes you want to react to what God is doing because you have that sense of commitment at the vow that you made to Him. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of a Lord that hung on a cross and took ever's rotten sin that you ever done, ever sin that you'll ever do, and nailed it to the cross. There, hanging with his innards out, uh, start naked on the cross for you. Amen. It's the least that we can do for all that he's done for us. Amen. Man, you ought to have a sense of commitment to God and what he's doing. The third and final thing that. A, a vow will do for you. It'll give you identity. It'll give Christ identity in your life. Because you walk with God. I was talking with my daughter this morning. We were talking about being a witness for God. She's in one of the toughest environments right now she's ever been in her life, which is College. I wish there was some way that she could get that degree and, and move on with her life without fooling with all that worldly mess. But you've got to go there. You've got to get these degrees to get the jobs that you've got to have. She's trying to live for God. She's trying to be the witness she needs to be. She said, but I feel like I don't need to say nothing. I said, you don't have to. The vows that we've made to God, it'll speak for us. Just, just walk with God. You don't have to say a word, just walk with God. Don't play with the devil, but walk with God. Remember the vows that you made and let him work in your life. Sometimes your silence will speak louder than standing in chairs yelling at people. Just live the life. Let he, the Holy Spirit, speak through your life. And when the Lord says, say something, then you say something because then you feel like you need to say something. In Romans 1 16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I mean, ask yourself that question this morning. Are you ashamed of who you are in Christ? Are you ashamed of the vows that you've made? Are you ashamed? this morning, to have his identity in your life. I can remember as a young child being under the pressure of school and people making fun of me and and putting me down because I was a Christian. And there there was a time or two that I wanted to hide. I didn't want all the pressure. But when I remembered my vows, that gave me the boldness that I needed to stand for God. I'm telling you this morning, church, that we need to have his identity. In Galatians 5, 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts of this world. You have crucified the flesh. You're no more playing with the devil. You're no more doing it your way. You want his identity in your life. You want his power. Let me give you this real quickly and I'm going to be done. As a young man, I faced every temptation seemed like known to man and what some of you all have probably been through as young people. And I go through those temptations as a young man. A lot of them I failed at because I was drawn away. And it made scars in my life. Scars that I've never got over. I got... Forgiveness for it, I repented before God. I got right with God. But Every time I'd take a step for the Lord, the devil said, remember when? You remember what you did? You remember what you did? You know what that is? That scar never really heals. That's the devil's way to remind you and to rob you of your identity. But as we say week after week about being greater as he, The devil say, no, you remember what you did? And you'll hunker right down and forget your vows, forget your identity and say, you're right, devil, I can't do nothing. Why do we listen to the devil more than we'll listen to God? That's the weak state in us. Don't raise your hand this morning, but how many times you read your Bible this week? How many times you eat this week? You eat three times a day, sometimes four or five times a day, snacks in between. 10, 12 o'clock at night, you're eating peanut butter sandwiches, cookies, and, and all that. You're, you're feeding the flesh. You're doing, you love feeding the flesh. We love that. But the inward man is saying, Hey, I'm starving to death. I need the word. No, I'm not doing that. I'm too tired. I don't need that. I can't do that right now. I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we shove our word back. We shove the word that's been given to us back. And the inward man is starving to death. And problems start happening. Your life starts falling apart. Your children's sick. Uh, The bills are passed due. Everything's happening. You ain't paying your tithes. You don't come to church that often. You won't worship when you come. And you wonder why you're in such a dead state. You forgot your vows. You forgot your identity. You forgot what Christ is doing in your life. What needs to happen? You need to say, I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of being robbed. I want to go back, and I want to renew my vows. I've I've had couples come to me and say, we want to renew our vows, and we renew their vows. And there's nothing wrong with that. We do that. But I'm not worried about these marriage vows. I'm worried about these spiritual vows that we've made. We are living away from God and out of His will and out of His identity and we are are like skeletons walking around and we wonder why we can't be blessed. It's because we have forgot the vow that we've made to God. This walk with Christ is an individual walk between you and Him. When I asked God about this message when He began to burden me this week about it, I said, Lord, that's such a different message than I'm comfortable in preaching. He said, this is exactly what I want. And I've had to fight hell higher than my head this week just to keep my mind straight to bring this to you this morning. I bring it to you because I love you this morning. But your pastor had to get on his face first and say, God, I need your power. I need your identity. I need to be the one to remember your vows that I've made to you. God, help me, so I can help them. He said to tell you he loved you, and that you can do it, and you can overcome, and you can have the power in your life. You can do more than you think you can do. The devil's told you can't, but he said, I can, and I will, but it'll take you getting out of your comfort zone and letting God be God in your life. So I wonder this morning, do you want His power in your life? Do you want that true identity in your life? Or are you content where you are? We as the people of God need to be the strongest, the happiest, the most excited people in this world right now. We need to hold our heads up We need to be proud of the commitment we've made to each other and to Him and say, yes, I'm glad that I'm a Christian. And when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, are you a Christian? Yes, I sure am. We're going to take you to jail. Take me. We don't know what we're going to have to go through for Christ. But it's the least that we can do for all that He's done for us.